Hello, welcome back to the Europolex podcast. Undoubtedly the most nerdy thing you'll listen to this week. I'm Ewan Healy, and with me, of course, is my very good friend and colleague, Gabriel Hedengren. Hi, Ewan. It's good to have you back on the podcast. Good to be back. Yes, always feels like a strange time when I see it come up on my feed and I think, I don't remember recording that because someone else has sat in for me. It's even weird doing it just on your own. It's good to have it back to back to basics. Absolutely, yes. All of these episodes down the line. And what a stonker of an episode we've got. As per always, we've got headlines from across the continent, as you would imagine. We'll check out electoral events in the UK uh, and in Germany, and of course, news from the European Parliament. As well as that, we've got polling highlights from Norway, Italy, Belgium, Finland, and France. So lots to look forward to. Before all that, little message from our sponsors. Europlex is run by volunteers. We aren't funded by any big donors, and everything we do, including this podcast, is only possible with the help of our supporters. And we want to do more. You can support us through our Patreon, where we've started sharing exclusive discussions, special content, and much more. You can even get a shout-out in our videos or podcast episodes. Or, better yet, the lovely merch that we've developed. Don't miss out. Support us by becoming a patron on Patreon. Speaking of merch, at europelex.redbubble.com, you can find all the mugs, maps, t-shirts and stickers and more that we've produced with more and more designs being added all the time. You can find so much stuff that you can decorate your house or apartment or laptop with all of the merch that people know you're a real elections nerd. Check out all of our designs on europelex.redbubble.com and let us know what you think. And, of course, if you like this podcast and want to help us grow further, subscribe and drop us a review on whatever platform you listen to us from. And most importantly, tell everyone you know about us. Also, if you have an idea for a segment, thoughts on a topic we should be covering, or, of course, if you just want to say hi, shoot us an email on podcast at europolex.eu. We'd love to hear from you. In a quiet month on the national level, our main electoral stories this week are on regional and local levels with the United Kingdom hosting some of those elections back on the 5th of May. So first, we're going to talk about one of the four constituent countries of the UK hosting regional elections. Yes, that's Northern Ireland going to the polls for the first time since 2017 to elect its regional parliament known as the Northern Ireland Assembly. The campaign has been defined by the UK's exit from the European Union. In fact, there's been no regional government prior to this election following resignations from the regional government over issues surrounding the protocol agreements which define trade law between Northern Ireland and the EU. Yes, it really is that sexy. Particularly significant has been the Northern Ireland Protocol, a section of the UK's withdrawal agreement with the European Union, which keeps Northern Ireland in regulatory alignment with the European Union to prevent border checks on the open border between Northern Ireland and the Republic of Ireland, something which has been established in the Good Friday Agreement of 1998, which ended years of civil conflict in Northern Ireland. Critical of the protocol and that regulatory border between GB and Northern Ireland, the incumbent largest party were the National Conservatives, the Democratic Unionist Party. They saw the biggest fall in votes of any party in the election, losing almost seven percentage points of first preference votes down to 21%, their lowest result since the first assembly election in 1998. They finished in second place overall with 25 seats of the available 90. Now, there are lots of reasons why this fall has taken place, but it's largely been attributed to the party leadership's resignation from the first minister, the position of head of government. This was a deeply unpopular move. 
The collapse of the DUP has meant that the former second largest party, the left-wing Sinn Féin, had become the largest party, receiving 29% of first preferences, their largest in the history of Northern Ireland. This is the first time that a party labelled domestically as a nationalist party, that is a party which advocates for Northern Ireland leaving the United Kingdom, has won a plurality of votes in assembly elections. Now, due to the compulsory power-sharing agreements which govern the Assembly in Northern Ireland, Sinn Féin, as the largest party, are entitled to nominate a candidate for the position of First Minister. However, in order to take office, they have to be nominated alongside the support of a unionist, that is pro-UK, deputy First Minister from the largest unionist party, this time the DUP. The DUP have stated they will not nominate a candidate due to the existence of the Northern Irish Protocol, though some critics have suggested they are simply refusing to be the junior party to a nationalist First Minister. Altogether, this means that it is unlikely that Northern Ireland will get a new government even after these elections. The centre-liberal alliance party now, which claims no allegiance to nationalist or unionist politics, made the only gains of any party in this election, gaining nine seats and 4.5 percentage points of the vote to be the third largest party in the Assembly. And they hope now to have a significant influence in the new Assembly. The other major stories were the fall in support for the centre-left nationalist SDLP, who lost four seats, and the wipeout of the Northern Irish Green Party, who lost both of their seats in the Assembly. On the same day, on the 5th of May last week, voters in the other three countries of the United Kingdom uh, also voted in local elections, dominated for the most part by a couple of issues, the first one being cost of living crisis that the UK is experiencing, similarly to most other countries at the moment, as well as Partygate. So that's the number of fines that have been handed out to incumbent Conservative Party politicians, including the Prime Minister Boris Johnson, overreaching COVID lockdown rules. In the end, the Conservative Party lost seats across all three nations. In England alone, they lost more than 300 of their 1,400 councillors, with the biggest gains going to the Liberal Democrats, Greens, and then Labour. In Scotland, the backlash against the Conservatives was acutely felt, with the centre-left Labour Party leapfrogging the Conservatives to become the second largest party on the local level. So a big shift in Scottish politics, you know, for the past... (laughs) decade or so, it's been a fight for the second place. And then in Wales, Labour had a very strong performance. Uh, Meanwhile, the pro-independence, Plaid Cymru, gained three councils despite losing six seats overall. The Conservatives, again, lost significant numbers of their local representatives. And I believe, Ewan, that they now have no overall control of a single council in Wales. That's right. It's part of a Difficult story for the Conservatives across the country, but particularly in uh, Wales, where they have a number of MPs and gained a number of MPs uh, in the national parliament elections back in 2019. Many of them will be feeling a lot less comfortable after these local council elections than they were six weeks ago. Now, keeping on with electoral results, we go to Germany, where the regional parliament of Schleswig-Holstein was elected on May the 8th. Two of the three parties of the incumbent regional government saw their vote share rise, with the largest party receiving quite the big increase. More specifically then, the centre-right CDU once again came in first place, continuing the tradition of the last 17 years, and received 43.4% of the vote and 34 seats, a rise of a whopping 11.4% since the 2016. 17 election in Schleswig-Holstein. Indeed, they accomplished this by having their best results in the Landtag, but also having their best regional election results in any region of Germany since the 2006 Baden-Württemberg regional election. 
The other party of the outgoing regional government that saw its vote share rise is the Green Party, that received 18.3% of the vote and 14 seats, an increase of 5.4% and 4 seats. This is also the Greens' best result in the region and the first time that they've come in second place in Schleswig-Holstein. So as you might have guessed it, the party that's missing there, the centre-left SPD, fell to 16% and just 12 seats, losing 9 in total. That's a record low for the party. Also in decline was the third party of the outgoing regional government, the Liberal FDP. The centrist party received 6.4% of the vote and five seats, quite the fall from the 11.5% they received in 2017. The last party that gained parliamentary representation is the Danish minority party, SSW. Now, the European Free Alliance-affiliated party received here their best ever result with 5.7% and four seats. That's an increase of 2.4% and one seat since 2017. Finally, the AFD in Schleswig-Holstein lost their parliamentary representation that they'd achieved for the first time in 2017, as the right-wing to far-right party received 4.4% of the vote falling below the 5% electoral threshold. Now, of course, negotiations begin for the new government and have begun and are ongoing at the moment with the incumbent minister-president, Daniel Günther, of the centre-right CDU, poised to lead the next regional government, potentially with only one governing partner due to his party's strong results. Now into the lovely Brussels. What if we told you that in the 2024 European elections that we're all waiting impatiently for, you'll be able to vote twice? So the European Parliament approved the creation of an EU-wide constituency in which 28 members of the European Parliament will be elected parallel to the other members running in national constituencies. So what this means is that all European voters will be able to vote for the same lists composed by politicians from across the 27 member states. And crucially, these candidates will be represented by the various EU parties instead of national ones, which means that your ballot paper would be indicating options such as the European People's Party, the European Green Party, and so on. One of the most controversial points about this proposal that did pass is the creation of a 3.5% threshold considered by several German MEPs as anti-democratic. A lot of you will know that as it's been in the past, Germany, because the amount of seats they have and the lack of a threshold, there are a lot of smaller parties represented in the European Parliament out of Germany, so it makes sense that they will um, not be very happy with a 3.5% threshold. So the motives behind pushing these new measures forward include concentrating the electoral campaign on continent-wide issues and the improvement of democratic quality of European representation. There is one last legislative step for this proposal, and that is for the council to discuss it. It can only be approved with a unanimous vote. Absolutely. We are obviously over halfway through the term of the current European Parliament, and I am very excited with these new rules because it means there's a new type of poll which is going to come out one day. I'm very excited for which pollster is going to be the first one to do it, to poll the whole of the EU to find who's going to win those crucial 28 member state seats. Now, keeping on with the news from the European Parliament, with some fascinating and, of course, captivating MEP news. First of all, 
Yorgos Kurtzos, formerly of the centre-right New Democracy Party and the EPP, has been suspended from both groups and has chosen to join the Renew Europe group instead. Now, the MEP has for months been a vocal critic of the Greek New Democracy Party government and the incumbent Greek Prime Minister on matters of rule of law. And while when he was first suspended, he had expressed his wishes to remain within the EPP, he was dismayed to find that EPP group chair Manfred Weber had supported Prime Minister Mitsotakis' actions in Greece as well. Now, moving not too far from Greece, over the water to Cyprus, the Cypriot MEP Lefteris Christoforou of the centre-right DISY has been appointed to the European Court of Auditors and will therefore be replaced in the European Parliament by another candidate from the same party, his runner-up in the election, Eleni Stavrou. Based on the 2019 election results, next in line was Nikos Tournaritis, but he chose not to take the MEP position and remain in the current Cypriot Parliament, where he serves as an MP for the same party. Now, it's time for what you've all been waiting for, the polling highlights from across the continent. And we, of course, have some repeat offenders in the list this week, starting with, say it with me, Norway, where the, say it with me, Agrarian Centre Party has received, say it with me, Yet another record low, this time at 5.5% in an all-stat poll. That is the party's lowest polling result since 2016. Now, this is uh, less than half of the 13.5% it received in the September 2021 parliament election and really shows the party in a difficult downward trend. Yes, definitely. Yeah, I mean, repeat offender for sure. And uh, I know I know it's how politics works, but I can't believe it's like... A year or something ago, I was talking to one of them about becoming biggest party, and now they're at five point five percent. It's it's ruthless, and let's see, it might not be the last time uh, that they're in our polling highlights. Um, but moving on, in contrast, some other familiar faces seem to be on the rise in Italy. In this case, where the populist Italexit reached an all-time record high of four point two percent in an Ipsos poll. And the national conservative Fratelli d'Italia reached a new record high of 22.1% in a SWG poll. So still the populist right in Italy doing as well as ever, even if it seems like there are new actors and they replace themselves every few years. Uh, but I feel like every episode, there's also... A talking point on Italy, isn't there, Ewan? Absolutely. Well, how can I not be when they have so many polls? Now, moving just one peninsula to the west, we're going to talk briefly about Portugal, where the Liberal Iniciativa Liberal reached yet another record high, this time with 10% in both scenarios of the latest Pythagorica poll. The figure is twice as high as the party's result in the election, which happened just a few months ago back in January, where it had been where it had already increased its parliamentary group by seven members to eight. So who knows how high it could go in the next election. But as we've seen, as we've seen in Norway, nothing is certain. Definitely not. And now from Italy, where there's literally a new poll every day, if not more often, we're going to go to Belgium. In Flanders, the Dutch-speaking centre-left party Ruit reached 15.5% in the latest stemming poll. This is the highest polling result for the party since October 2016, and it would be the best election result in Flanders since 2007. On the other hand, the same poll showed the Dutch-speaking party Christian Democratic and Flemish party fall to 8.7%. This is the lowest polling result ever recorded for the party in Flanders. So you see the, the center-left 
growing in Flanders and the centre-right decreasing. Absolutely. Now, moving away from party politics, go to a really interesting referendum poll in Finland, where a Talustukimus poll showed a whopping 76% of Finns in response to this poll were in favour of Finland joining the NATO military alliance. This is a rise of over 45 percentage points since the beginning of this year alone. And it's just one of the examples of countries near Russia turning away from Russia towards the West to NATO and of course, the European Union following the invasion of Ukraine by Russia. So interesting and such a, I guess, for a lot of people, understandable, but still radical shift in opinion. And obviously, I'm Swedish, but Finland's really leading the way there. So it'll be interesting to see the next few weeks. There'll be a, a lot of very significant announcements made for sure. And with those kind of polling figures, that's a big part, I think, of what's putting pressure on on the government there and that's in turn putting pressure on Sweden as well to sort of consider and let's see most likely put in an application for NATO. And finally, we end our episode this week not with a polling record but a highlight. Most of you will know by now that France's four main left of centre parties, that's the left wing La France Insoumise, the centre left Parti Socialiste, the Green Europe Ecologie, Les Verts and the Parti Communiste Français have agreed to compete in the upcoming parliamentary elections under a common platform called Nouvelle Union Populaire, Écologiste et Sociale. In the latest polls from France, such an alliance is polling in the mid-30s and is therefore in first place, making it a possibility we'll see a prime minister who is not from President Macron's party and may very well be all familiar to most of you, Jean-Luc Mélenchon. If no other alliances are made, then they're in a really strong position. And it's uh, unique, you have to say, to see such a wide range of left-wing parties uh, uniting <laughs> as a political strategy. So definitely interesting to see how that will go down with the French electorate. It's absolutely amusing, especially in France, of all places, uh, who's always had a traditionally very big divide in its left-wing parties, uh, right back to the internationals at the beginning of the 20th century. So it is remarkable seeing these parties uniting under a common candidacy and perhaps even, as you say, supporting Mélenchon or another candidate to be nominated as prime minister. And that's all the news and polling highlights from around the continent for this week. Thank you very much for listening. It's been great to share them with you. And we are very excited to see what's going to happen next in European politics and to have you back with us next time. Goodbye. You've been listening to the Europolex podcast hosted by me, Ewan Healy, and my colleague, Gabriel Hedengren. The managing editor was Polychronus Karampalas. The script was written by our hosts and our writing team, Matthew Nicholson, Jorgos Kukouris, Guillaume Ferreira de Senda, Yanis Ashakian, and Yavi Debad. The music was by José Alvarado, and everything we do wouldn't be possible without our patrons from Patreon.